Good morning. It doesn't feel as hot as it did earlier today. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask for that. You guys, look at this cup. It says, the tan lines may fade, but the memories will last forever. Actually, Kim over here, she made this for me and gave me a guest. And literally, if you ever see me, I probably have this with me. She makes amazing things. So if you're looking for gifts and stuff, this she has a gift to be able to create. And she knows you. She just knows, like... She, she went and found a picture of me at the beach, put that down. I was like, you know my heart. Like, it's, you know, God, family, beach. Like, <laughs> if you've met me, you know that. If, if someone doesn't know that, you don't know me very well. We're probably acquaintances. So thank you. And we're even trying to convince her to be like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could create, like, um, what's it called? Merchandise for a church. Like, if you want to, like, a revive hat, boom, she can make it. She didn't say she can make hats yet, but I'm speaking into existence. So, but thank you. And the water's cold, and I'm thankful for that today. So, I'm going to pray because we're going to talk about some really fun things today. So, Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that we get to come together. We thank you um, that you are a good God. You're, you're good when things look chaotic, but you're also good when it looks peaceful. You are good in the hard times. You are good in the easy times. You are good in the blessings. You're even good when it looks like there is lack. So I thank you, Lord, that you are good, that you have a plan, that you have a purpose, and you have a direction for us every day of our lives. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, isn't God so good? I loved when we were singing that last song, and it said, All my wealth is in Jesus. And I look at that, I'm thinking, that's right, because anything that I'm going to have for any length of time, I cannot take anything physical here. And everything that is going to have any longevity is in Jesus. And I was like, that is so good. So if people be like, you poor, I'd be like, mm, you should see how wealthy I am. My bank is Jesus, so come on. So I have a question for you guys. How many of you guys want to be like men and women of like powerful, explosive faith? Like you see things, you know, water parts, you know, the dead rise to life. How many of you guys would love to be part of that? Like see that, like, like oh, someone died. Let me just, let me just go be like, get up. And they're like, ooh, I mean... That would be pretty amazing to see those miracles, like, right there. Like, like if, you're, like if I just wanted to be like, you know, I, maybe I want to, like, you know, drive to Chicago and I'll just park Michigan. I don't know. Go down there. And like, maybe I just want my Like, wouldn't that be amazing if you could just see that? And, and we can. We can have faith like that um, and powerful and we see things. And when I, when I look at that, sometimes um, I think we like, um, we think that, that, we see the good things, like he parted the sea, he um, raised people from the dead. We, didn't, we don't think about before that, you know, like the Egyptians had, the, the Hebrews were under, you know, slavery for generations. We don't really like to talk about as much of the 400 years and what they actually endured that whole time in their children. Their children, they, they would birth children knowing that their children were being born into a slavery and probably thinking, I'm never going to see them free. I don't get, we usually don't get up and preach about that, do we? We said there was 400 years and then he parted the Red Sea and let them, and said, let my people go. I'm pretty sure the people in year like, you know, two, three, they're probably starting to be like, okay, this seems long enough already. 
When you're going through a trial, one year seems long enough. Over 400 years, that seems like a long, 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 long time. But that's where you see, if, if we're like, I want to be that faith person, I want to be that radical, that's where you see that. It's not in the five minutes I prayed, then I see those things. These people, you know, laid down their lives. They, they stepped out of comfort zones. They, they went through things to see that. And we forget about that part, and we're thinking, this must be the enemy attacking me. He's always attacking everybody. He is selfish. It's just him. That's it. That's all he cares about. So guess what? Yes, you are always under attack. If you know Jesus, 100% all the time, that's his goal for you. Is The enemy's goal is to attack you. Jesus is to say, hey, have faith, and you're going to see these things. So I'm going to read to you guys in Daniel um, 3, and I'm going to talk about these guys. So it says, I'm going to start in verse 8. It says, just then some Babylonians fortune tellers stepped up and accused the Jews. They said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. And then they said to him, you gave strict orders, O king, that when the big band started playing, everyone had to fall to their knees and worship the gold statue. And whoever did not go to their knees and worship it had to be pitched into the roaring furnace. Hmm. Well, there are some Jews here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have placed in high positions in the providence of Babylon. These men are ignoring you, O king. They don't respect your gods, and they won't worship the gold statues you set up. Furious, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be brought in. When the men were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar asked, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't respect my gods and refuse to worship the gold statue I have set up? I'm giving you a second chance, but from now on, when the big band strikes up, you must go to your knees and worship the statues I have made. If you don't worship, it will, you will be pitched into the roaring furnace. No questions asked. Who is the God who can rescue you from that power? <laughs> We're going to see. Okay, so these are, these are young men. These aren't people that are like, you know, I've lived a long life, whatever. I'm not doing this. These are young men. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, Your threats mean nothing. Sounds like a two-year-old. Um, you know, they got power. If you throw us into fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up, O king. But even if he doesn't, there's the part we like to remember. Even if he doesn't. So they're saying this, knowing that they're going to the furnace. They know 10 seconds from now, they're going in a furnace. Even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference, O king. We still would serve, we still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statues you set up. Whew. That's faith. Even if he doesn't. We are not going to fall to our knees and worship your gods. I don't know if I saw a thousand degree furnace burning like from right over here if I would be able to say that. Let's be honest. How many of us really would? I mean, I'm like, oh, it's hot in here today. I'm like, Lord, come walk with me. How many of you guys had that thought this morning? Yeah, it does. 
But I'm thinking that's the faith. And you know what? They saw. They got to see a miracle. We know that they went in the fire. They didn't even get burned. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, came in and walked with them in the fire. When they came out, they didn't even smell like fire. (laughs) Okay? We know what happened. They saw a miracle. They used radical faith, and they experienced that. Because they had to say, during the persecution... Even if God doesn't, I will serve him. Even if my job doesn't come through, I will serve him. Even if I can't pay my bills today, I will serve him. Even when I feel sick, I will serve him. Even when everybody is against me, I will serve him. Even when I am the most hated person walking on the earth or something, whatever, I will serve him. Even when my kids leave and go and, and you know, leave my house and start sinning and walk away from everything I will taught them, I will serve him. I don't know, I mean, probably none of you guys have ever experienced any of those things, right? Um, That's hard. That is hard. But that's what radical faith, we get excited. We're like, yeah, radical faith, I'm a faith warrior. You know warriors go to battle, right? Not keyboard warrior, faith warrior. We get those confused a lot, don't we? Look at me. You know, and you go, hey, I saw you on Facebook. I wasn't on there. Or they don't even go out, you know, it's... Faith warriors go into battle. So all of you guys, I heard you guys this morning. You said, yeah, when I asked that question, that's why you ask the questions first before you teach the message. (laughs) You say, you guys want to have radical faith. You want all these things. You want to see these amazing miracles. You're like, yes, Lord. (laughs) I'm not going to ask the question again. Um, Your original answer is your answer. That's your But I look and I'm thinking, I would love to see some of these things. And I have seen some pretty amazing miracles. I have seen healings. I have seen, I have seen people, my own daughter in my room, my womb, my room. Well, it is a room, it's her room in my womb. Um, was raised from the dead, no heartbeat. They're like, yeah, you know, this baby's not. I'm like, you better not talk about my baby like that because she has long life. And with, you know, with salvation, she will have long life. And you better just stop talking. They thought I was a little crazy. But I won in the end. I didn't care if everyone thought it was crazy. They thought I was mentally, they're like, this lady's crazy. We're looking at this saying, your baby isn't alive. And she's saying, well, you aren't the final call. And, I, you know, it got intense. But you know what? I don't care what anyone thought about me. I wanted my child, and God promised me that I'm not going to stop. See, that's where we have to have that radical faith. Like when I tell the story, it's exciting now, and you're like, yes, I want faith like that. But in that moment, it didn't feel like that. It felt like I was going to the furnace. I was going to lose everything. So, now it takes that great faith to believe God delivers us from difficulties. It takes a lot of faith to think, God, you're going to bring me through this. Because <laughs> as soon as you get through it, what happens? God, you've got to bring me through this. You've got to bring me through this and this and this. And it takes faith for God to believe that God is going to deliver us from our difficulties. But it takes radical faith to say, even if you don't, even if you choose that I'm going to be here, that I'm going to walk this out, even if it doesn't, I will serve you. My serving you is not conditioned on what you give me and do for me. That's, that's, that's kind of deep, isn't it? I always, when I read that story over and over, I would think, oh, I don't know if I would say that. 
But he said, that is radical faith. That's the faith we want. That's the faith that moves mountains. That's the faith that changed nations. That's the, the faith that grows the kingdom, that we see, you know, the dead rise, that we see the lame walk, that we, that we see abundant blessing, that we see the church grow. We don't want the church just to grow. We want the church, I mean the world, to grow so that nobody would be separated from God the Father. Right? That's, that's the goal. That we start getting this small box thinking and we get church and we make it smaller and smaller and smaller. And God's like, I never said to decrease. I said to increase. So we're going to be increasers, right? Say increase. increase. Come on. That's right. I heard you say it. <laughs> ah, I'm full of it today. Believing God for miracles in scene one... In, is a different thing sometimes. Sometimes we're like, oh, yeah, I believe God does miracles, but why am I not seeing them? You know, believing for one during, you know, tribulation or persecution, that's extreme. Sometimes when things are going really good and just God does a little miracle in your life, you're like, that just feels so good, right? So, like, I'm going to use Mercy because if you were here last week, she gave about how she got a raise. Now, they're not destitute. They didn't, they weren't to the point where like, we can't eat, we can't do anything, you know, and that miracle was great. That was awesome. That was a blessing that God did, right? But how much more extreme would that be if they had nothing and God did that? So that's, we don't just want just the miracles and blessings that God does. We want to see God's like, I can do so much more. I have the ability to do so much more, but to go hi, you got to start somewhere. So I look at that. So we're, so when we want this type of faith, it doesn't come through the easy times. It doesn't come through a life of ease and mom and dad taking care of you or your job taking care of you. It comes and is formed through persecution. We see it on this earth. Sometimes we're like, ah, just shoot up a prayer for those being persecuted. We don't really want to think, like, what is that really like? Like, what would that really be like if it was my family? You know? How much time should I be praying and interceding for those who have chose to walk in the extreme and not just just faith, extreme faith? What does that look like? Because we live in a place where extreme faith is a choice. (laughs) Um, And it's easier not to choose it. There's some people that... They live in places where they need extreme faith because they either see Jesus right then or they have extreme faith. That's it. Those are only decisions. There's no other choices. There's no other decisions. It's like you either have this type of faith or you're, you're, you're going to be, you know, martyred or, or killed or things like that. We don't really experience that. Like no one, you know, came up to me today and, and was like, if you preach a word, I'm, that's it. You know, I had freedom. I it, welcome to speak the word here um you know you got people come and they want to hear the word so it's really that is formed under persecution sometimes we read things in the bible and we're like really like when you say that out loud it seems weird have any of you guys read something you're like that does not make sense and i don't know why i said it like that like like i love in james he says count it all joy when you face trials okay weirdo 
Yes, bad things are happening to me today. <laughs> that seems weird, right? But it's in God's word. It's in God's word. And I'm like, that's why God says count it all joy, not count it all happiness. <laughs> doesn't he? You never hear him say, you know, just be full of happiness. He n- God doesn't really use that word because that's conditional. And joy is sustainable through any emotion, any circumstance, and that is the difference. So in James it says, count it all joy. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like shouting for joy when I'm in the middle of it. When it is thick and it is rough, I'm like, I want to complain. I want to shout all my complaints. Can I do that too? And the Lord's like, no. And I'm like, but please. And so then I'm like, you know, bag, it just turns into a mess. And then God usually wins, right? Sometimes I do, but you know, then I also get the consequence of doing it my way. You guys probably never do that. But, but God is saying joy, not just skate by or just hang on or just make it through. Sometimes you do just make it through. But God's saying, no, I want you to count it joy. I want you to be joyful from the beginning to the end. And you don't get to just be like, well, it's been long enough. And say, well, I'm not going to have joy about this. God knows such faith in that joy will benefit us as the, in the, as the kingdom in radical ways. He knows that us being able to go through. When someone sees you going through all the things you've gone through, they're like, how are you doing this? I would not be able to make it. How are you dealing with these things? And when we say, it's the joy of the Lord, they're like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if you can get that in pill form, but I need that. (laughs) Right? I mean, that is how I think at times when people see our lives and they're thinking, why are you happy? Have you seen your life? We're la- those of us that laugh the most have been locked in that, haven't we? We're like, joy of the Lord, just keep it going. Keep it going, Lord, I'm not going to stop. And, and so think about that. Think about some of the worst experience. I mean, I'm not trying to bring up trauma in your Think about... <laughs> you guys, do you guys feel like joy in this room today? Because even I do. I'm like, we're going to speak it out and it's going to come and it's going to fill the atmosphere. Because you know we're gonna, you know why we're gonna fill it today. You know why today's important. Because we're gonna release it. Because the kids come in tomorrow, so we're gonna take this and we're gonna fill this atmosphere. It's gonna go every single hallway, and these kids are gonna come in, and there's gonna be an atmosphere of joy. They're not gonna know why. Like I'm at school. Yes, right, guys. Come on, right, Lana, jump up, joy. <laughs> right, you guys. You can jump. Come on, get. I'll give you some atmosphere. Okay, saying that, think about the worst experience you've ever faced. <laughs> okay, for me, I look at, like, my pregnancy, um, my mom's death, sickness that it came, poverty, and I look at that and I'm like, Lord, through that thing of pregnancy, you gave me a passion to fight for life, for every life, and I'm not going to discount any. And, and, you know, in my mom's death, you made me understand grief for those who are grieving. I get to have that. I get to walk with that. And it's so good because God's like, you've been able to come alongside people who don't have that joy with that. Sickness, I value health, and I know who the ultimate healer is. Those are things I got because going with it through joy, with joy through it. Poverty, I know how to live in little and still be an extravagant giver of 
not just my finances, but everything. I always tell people, I'm like, you need a time to be poor. (laughs) That doesn't sound very fun, but you know, when you do, when you actually go through time and live like that, you know, guess what? All I can rely on is Jesus. (laughs) I don't got two pennies to even rub together right now. And you think, God, you brought me through that. And when that stuff happens, I just laugh and think, (laughs) it's so good. Because you know what? My focus has to go completely on him. So when you go through it with joy... So those are just some of my things. Maybe you have different things, but I look and I'm thinking, where would I be if I would have submitted to, to you know, being defeated or being scared or things like that? I think especially with my children, I wouldn't have my children if I would have submitted to fear and said, oh, no, well, this could happen. I didn't care if you were the most, you know, esteemed doctor on this planet. You do not... You do not trump what God says. They say there's 1% chance and God says and there's 99% for me to show up. There's 99% for me to show up. So when you get those percentage chances, be like, whoo, world has 1%, God 99. I'm like, this is so good. I have great chances. That's like, you know, your odds just got better when you think of it like that, doesn't it? That's so good. Our lives are not defined by the easy, fun things. They're defined by how we came through the tough times, right? You say, my character, your character is built so much quicker when you have the opportunity to make bad choices and you make the right one. When bad things are going on, you have the opportunity to respond terribly and you respond kingdomly. That's how your character, where people are like, you know, they're just a nice person, They're kind. They're generous. Those things, you didn't get generous because everyone gave you everything. You got generous because you knew that pain of giving when you had nothing, right? When you're like, I eat or they eat today, Lord. I I remember one time we had that, right? We had 20 bucks and my mom called me. I'm not going to say who she said, but she said, I really need you to bring these people some food. They don't have anything. And we were like just married and I was like, but I don't have anything, you know, some my mom knew, and she's like, I really need you to do that. And, like, we're going to, like, there, and I'm like, what are things that they can make, you know, like eggs and, and ramen? And I'm thinking, Lord, what are we going to do? And we ate rags, eggs and ramen, but I thought, but it came through, and it's like, man, I just want to get, it makes you be like, yes, I want to. I want to give. And then God always brings things back. I mean, I got, like, a whole thing of meat dropped off, and, I'm thinking years, years when I gave when I had nothing now, God just brings blessings at times. Someone picks up your bill or, or you know, bring, drop something off to you. Those little things, it's made by how, we, how our character is built during those difficult times. Because God's not going to waste a trial. He's not going to waste a tempt. Like if you, the devil's tempting you, God's like, I'm not going to let that be wasted on you. He's like, come on, what are we going to do? We're going to build some character. The enemy wants to attack you. We're going to build character, and we're going to build testimony. How about that? I love that. When you're in the middle of it, you're like, do we really have to have this testimony, Lord? Like, can I trade with somebody today? Like, why this? And then God's like, but this is your testimony, and there's power in your testimony. There's not power in you to really, there is power in you talking about other people's testimonies, but yours has so much power because they can't deny. You're like, this happened to me. I firsthand know, and you can't tell me that's not how I feel or that's what I was going through because I went through it, right? So, and he's ready to redeem. God is ready to redeem every, all of it. 
he he wants to wash us with the blood um he wants to bring light that that nothing can separate you from you know he wants to show you that nothing can separate you from the love of god that's what he wants to do that is his goal he he wants to get us there so not only having radical faith gets you there we have to have unquestionable hope unquestionable hope what does that look like well hope encourages people to persevere through the harshest realities um, you've probably seen like where, you know, if they just have a little bit of hope, you can hold on longer than if you have none. I always listen to those um, scientific like things where they, they, they put the rat in the water and they let him swim. And like and when he has, they, and it, it, he can swim for like 20 minutes. But if they take him out, give him a rest and put him back in, then he can go hours. And I'm thinking, because they has hope, like, they're taking me out. <laughs> I'm almost there. almost make it. I do this with our, we take our dogs to the river. And um, we have a little dog. And he has a big mentality. And he jumps in the river, and he starts going. It's over his head. He ain't going nowhere. Always goes against the current, you know. But when he realizes the hope is when we, we go to the side and we start calm, he's like, oh, yeah, I can, I can swim this way and I can get out. We give him hope. But if we don't go to the side, he'll just stay there like, uh, you know, we, there's some hope that they're going to go eventually to the side. They ain't going to let me drown. So then he'll just stay there because he's trying to get to the other side to catch muskrats. I don't know. But, but I'm saying that little bit of hope changes how we um, perceive, how we um, come up to things that are going on in our life. So, because hope stirs up that passion. It energizes us. It plants us in that foundation. Like, you know what? I'm not seeing it, but God said it. So I have hope that he's going to do that. I have faith and I have hope. Faith, he's done it before, and I hope that he does it for me. <laughs> I have faith, I've seen it. Please do it for me, God. So it plants us back in that foundation. And without hope, we dry up. We feel defeated, we get bitter, we get broken, and purpose seems to just fade in the distance. Without hope, we lose a purpose. Well, it's never going to happen for me. This, I'm just not going to be able to get through this. And then, But what happens is the devil comes in and he just steals your destiny. And if you've got nothing to look forward to, he just defeated you. Hope is a powerful and essential piece. The enemy wants to rob you of hope when he puts you in hardship to make you focus on nothing but the struggle. When you are looking at the struggle right here, it is hard. When you are in the worst moment of it, it is hard to be like, woohoo! Yes, I can see, you know, because it's right here. I can't, I can't see any of you right now. I can see my hands, and actually I could see Ed through the crack, but um, my hands... <laughs> So just Ed has hope today. No, but I'm saying is I can't see anything when my, when my hands are here, but like when they're out here, I can still, I can see my hands. I can, they're still there, but I can also see all of you as I move around. I can see distance. I can see like, yes, there's more out there. There's more coming. God has more for me. You guys been there before? <laughs> we need hope and hope never disappoints. When we carry hope, we can preserve through the worst. Developing, and what it does, it develops our character and it gives us strength. Come on, that's good. It's hard to see God's goodness and faithfulness in a life of ease. 
Because a life of, life of ease, we get used to complaining about things and why me, and we become the focus. When it's easy, who's the focus? I want it to be comfortable for me. It's about me, how you make me feel, what you're doing for me, what I have, what I like, what I don't, is about me, and I want to feel good all the time. Well, God never said that. Because it's all about who? Yeah, that's right. God, Jesus. It is, he's like, if you put that the focus, everything else just comes together. But as soon as you begin to say, it's about me and what I want and I want to be comfortable, the focus is off of who actually has all the strength, all power, all, everything is in him. And so now we're separate from that because we chose to separate ourselves from it. It's hard to see the goodness in a life of ease. So... If your life hasn't been easy, you just give a holler up to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I've got some character and strength coming. And if it, you know, or I already have some built, but if, it, if you're like, huh, yeah, it's coming, you know, it's coming. It is. Another second thing, how does a persecuted church grow, survive, and thrive, not just having faith and hope, but we need radical love. Not puppy love. Not this like just sweetness, like, oh, they got me flowers. Yeah, we like all that stuff too. I'm talking about radical love. When you love someone more than they even sometimes love themselves. Right? Has anyone been there where you, people are making bad choices and your love for them is even greater than their love for themselves? They're destroying their body, their mind, all these things, and you love them even through that because you're like I love them more than the choices that they are even able to make for themselves we're talking about radical love love your enemies okay that's not very fun because I want to see my you know sometimes we're like I hope you trip (laughs) right (laughs) that will be funny that will make me feel better I will have happiness in that moment (laughs) not joy I noticed I said but you know what I mean like but really we think love your enemies Pray for those who persecute you. You are terrible to me. I hope God blesses you, you know, and just gives you everything that you need. (laughs) Inside the parameters of God's word. That's hard. When someone hurts you, you want to be like, I'm going to hurt you back. You know what? We're sparring. That's what we want to do. You poke me, now I'm going to poke you. Instead, Instead, we should be like, ow, that hurt. But I know that you love me. Or, you know what? I know that, you know, there's pain is the reason you did that. Or a lot of other things. People have a lot of emotions, and we're really good at having emotions. God gave them to us. We're not always so great at knowing when to use which emotions. Um, but that's what praying for those who persecute you. If someone says, forces you to go one mile with them, you go too. You know, turn the other cheek. We've, we've heard these things. And it is really, I understand, all of these things are super easy to say. And they're really easy to share your testimony. Like, I've shared about my kids and about poverty, about sickness, all of these things that we have come through. And we're on this side of it. And it is really, really easy to share. It's really exciting to talk about. It's really a great testimony that we have. And when you're up here and you're thinking, oh, they're so happy about that. But when I was in it, you should have seen me when I was in it. I mean, there was times that when I was pregnant for Layla, I told Matt, I said, lock me in the bathroom and put a pillow on the floor. 
and I can't have anything coming against me. Like I was just throwing up everywhere. It was a mess. It was terrible. I was so sick. And I just was, I'm listening to God's word. And then I'm thinking, is this true? But I couldn't have anybody come in and say, you look really sick or anything. I had to fight for that. And when I went out in public, I had people being like, oh, I'm so happy for you. Don't you just love, you know, being pregnant? Like, I need to go back to my bathroom. Because <laughs> people didn't see that. People didn't get to see, be in the room with us when we saw the ultrasound and there was no heartbeat and the baby. They didn't get to do that. They didn't have to sit in front of the doctors with us and say, yeah, your baby has a bunch of holes in his head. She's not going to be born alive. So what would you like to do? And we had to say, I'm giving birth to a full, you know, a fully healthy baby. And they're like, this lady's never, you know, that we see all these things, but we had to have radical love towards them and just listen to them and say, okay, well, I understand where you're coming from. Instead of being like, you're the enemy. and You know, what's that going to do? Even in times like that, we think about how can we turn the other cheek? How can I do this? How can I walk this in those times? We got to think, not just the testimony, but when we're in it, it's hard to sometimes have that radical love for others, you know, even for yourself. And you think, what did I do to you know deserve this and and but having that radical love you know basic love is easy it's showing kindness you know to those we deem worthy really that's what basic love is you know you seem like a good enough person i can love you but that one they got a lot of junk (laughs) too much turk but it's you know loving people who love us back that's really easy it's really easy to want to spend. And I'm not saying, you know, don't go to your enemies and be like, we're going to hang out and be best friends. And then they just walk all over you and stomp all over everything and, and go past boundaries. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you can still love for them, have love for them and think good of them even when they're in their mess, even when they're hurting you. You don't have to go walk into that hurt, but, you know, maybe they're talking about you and it hurts you and you can say, Lord, I know that that's just pain. You don't need to go up to them and be like, I know you're talking about me, but I forgive you. That just sounded more like bitterness than forgiveness. I didn't know about you guys, right? So we need to have that radical love because radical love knows getting people to Jesus is really the goal over any comfort that we have. Over any comfort that we have, we know that radical love will look at the bigger picture and say, this is a kingdom thing. My pride can fall down. You know, my pain can get healed. My circumstance can change. But what is the real goal is getting people who have not yet met Jesus to him so that they can live in that too, so that they can have hope and faith and they can live in that radical love, right? So we got to love people to get there. Yeah, we do. I love it when I say something and the Lord says to me, and that includes you. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) Right? Because the Lord likes to remind us. Because I think we all have moments where it's like, we're just, we have bad days. We have bad moods. You know, our emotions say one thing and our brain is saying something else. And no matter how hard we try, it seems like we try to tell our emotions, you got to get over here. And they're like, no, do what I want. Like, you know what I mean? Nobody's, have you guys experienced that with your emotions? And you have, to, you have to go back and talk to people. Hey, remember when I was being crazy yesterday? Apologize. That, that, was, not, that was my emotion. That wasn't my spirit. Yeah, my spirit's new in Christ. Okay, let me, let me introduce you to that part of me. 
So the third thing that a persecuted church, how they grow, survive, and thrive, is they have a higher perspective. We see from kingdom and eternity and through the blood that was spilled, you know, for everyone, not just the elite, right? And when we have that higher perspective, that it's not that that it's not just like, oh, I go to church and I'm here all the time, so, you know, of course God would bless me, take care of me, provide for me. No, we have a higher perspective, and we see it from, you know what, we can do everything that we think is right, and it is still below the standard that God created for us. Because he's God. He's God. So we got to look and say, I want to see from your perspective, Lord, and I can because Jesus... You know, the Holy Spirit is living in me. So that means I can have that same perspective. I can have. It says, it doesn't say, you're forced to have. You can have. Because we know the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and he will not force us to do, think, or have any thought that, or emotion that we don't want to have. We have, we can have that perspective. So we live in a place where we have almost everything, guys. Even when we're like, I want some of, like, even though sometimes we want more, we still live in a place, we have everything. <laughs> if you ate today, you have everything. If you had a bed to sleep on, whether it's lumpy or not, you know, praise God. If you were able to use a vehicle to get here, like, we start looking and think, wow, we really have everything. But if we side it, if think about this if we decided to be part of that radical faith people like living like people who are truly persecuted if we actually had that mindset and put on and said what is it like to really live like that like lord give me that heart to understand because i think sometimes it's just hard for us to understand because we don't live it it's hard for you to understand a reality that we don't live in so if we actually truly understand how persecuted places, what would our homes and families look like? What would our homes and families look like if, if we prayed for many hours instead of played for many hours? Some of them, all they can do, they don't have toys, they don't have all these fun things. All they can do is pray. And they only have maybe one or two scriptures that they know because they don't even have access to the word. You know, maybe all they say is Jesus saves, that's all they got. Maybe that's all the tools they have. They're trying to feed, clothe their family with that, with those two words. What would our families look like if we actually prayed and lived like those who are persecuted? It'd be pretty phenomenal, wouldn't it be? be We would have a nation of evangelists. Every household would be like, you an evangelist? You, 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 you. Everyone's an evangelist. You're an evangelist. You're an evangelist. That's the way it would be. Because we wouldn't be able to contain the goodness of God. We wouldn't be able to contain our testimonies. You know, sometimes like, I'm scared to go up there and say what God... I don't care if you're scared. That's not really your choice anymore. Who do you serve? Who do you love? Who did that for you? Come on, shout it. Because you know what? If you're afraid that someone's going to say something to you, guess what? They are. You know what? The worst thing probably in the, it, where we live... That happens to us is someone hurts our feelings because they're like, I didn't like what you said. I didn't like what you said back. Well, now we're in a fight. And now, but if we truly lived in that, we would be like, yes, 
people are angry at me because I'm talking about Jesus. This is good. That means I'm going out and I'm, 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 I'm cutting a line in the darkness and saying, not here, not in my household, not where I live. Wherever I walk, I am going to bring that light. So darkness, you better. Go word Michelle brought this morning that God gave her about darkness decreasing. So that's what we need to do. We need, what would, you know, what would our community look like? What would our community look like? You know, we already are doing things just in this community that are changing. Taking care of people's needs, that looks like Jesus. That's what he did. You know, what about if our families every day look more like kingdom? We start out, they might look like crazy. <laughs> Some days they might go back to there and you got to put kingdom back in. Hey guys, put that down in front. But what would it really look like if we really, instead of fearing like, well, I don't really want to talk about Jesus here because someone might like call me a Jesus freak or get mad at me. Or they might say, well, that didn't really happen. You weren't healed. You're crazy. That's weird. I can't believe you listened to that. Why do you raise your hands when you worship? Oh, I'm embarrassed. Like, think about if we actually took all that out. We wouldn't care if people said that about us. That, that would be the start of us maybe sti- sticking our toes in what it's like to really be persecuted. But we see every time the church is attacked in huge ways, we see revival on this earth. I want to be part of every revival. Revival could happen daily. It doesn't have to be like, well, this season, every 30 years, we'll have a big tent revival. That's just a piece. Shouldn't it be every day, wherever you go, there's just revival going around? It's just people are getting revived because you carry the Spirit of God in you. So when you just come up next to them, they're like, whoo, I'm getting some joy just being next to you. Just talk to you. Just, I mean, it's so good. Our communities would look amazing. We'd be evangelized, and we wouldn't care if we were mocked or made fun of or even attacked. That's radical love. We look at, you know, what's going on in Afghanistan. I hope you all are praying for our, not just, not just the church, because a lot of people are like, pray for the church over there, pray for the church. That church already knows how to live radical and persecuted. We need to pray for, you know, protection for them, because they're going to still preach the gospel. We ought to pray for those who have not yet heard. That's the radicalness. You know, our radicalness is, is not just, like, let's just take care of this problem. Our, ours is to come behind and support those type of believers who are living in that because their radical love is actually going to go out to those who have not yet seen it. So if we're like, oh, Lord, just take care of that. No, we need to be radically praying for protection. We need to ask God for ways to intercede. We need, we need to be like, you know what? You're the front lines. We're behind you. We're still going to battle with you. Thank, you know, I'm not on the front line, but I'm going to do everything I can to make sure you have every need that you have to go on to that. We live in a place that we get to do that. That is what we get to do. We are providing those on the front lines that, you know, we have things that we do that, you know, are also hard, but there are people that this is their reality every day. So we need to come alongside and say, we're going to show radical love where we are, and we're going to do things so that you can easily show radical love where you are. So I'm going to look about what this looks like. I'm going to finish with this. This is Matthew 5. I'm going to start right in one. It says, When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed on a hillside. 
Those who apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. Whew, Jesus. Y'all, this is good. It says, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. (laughs) With less of you, that means there's more of God and his rule. Mm. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one who is most dear to you. Struggling with grief? That's good. I need a break. Right? Think about that. We think we lost something and God's like, you've lost that and now I can come in and fill that even more. He doesn't take them. I'm not saying he takes people for him. I'm saying is when we go through loss, God says, I'm going to be more, I'm going to fill you even more. Oh, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. When you believe who you are in Christ, that's what it's saying there. Nothing more. You don't think you're better, but you also don't think that you're not good enough. Because Christ was good enough. You're blessed when you worked up an appetite for God. For food and drink is the best meal. Because his food and drink is the best meal you ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourself cared for. When when you care for others, God takes care of you. And we're not worried about just meeting our needs. And we're like, I'm meeting the needs of everybody that you put in my path, Lord. This is the message Bible by that too, because like you read it in this and it's hard not to cry. I've read it, I practiced a few times before I read it to you guys because it is, you feel the power and the anointing falling in this room as these words are released from God's word. That's good. You're blessed when you um, get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. I'm going to read that one again. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind, and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. That means everybody, even the people that hurt you, you see them how God sees them. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Come on. Not only that, count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you or discredit me. What it means is that when the truth is too close to comfort and they are uncomfortable, you can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they do not like it, I do. God's saying he does. And all heaven applauds and knows that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have all, always gotten into this kind of trouble. <laughs> That's good. Everyone's shouting, you're, you're making bad choices. You're terrible. We don't like that. And God says, but I do. Because you're standing for me. And that's all I've asked for you. I will fight. I will, he will go before us. You know, it's always, no matter who's at the very front of the line, it's always God at the very front. 
This is how we fight our battles. We open his doors with thanksgiving and praise, right? We give him praise and God says, good, because you know what? You praise me, I go before you. That is so good. This is what we need to look at in our life. Like we need to say, okay, God, and I'm going to look at persecution and hardships and trials and all of these things differently because I can see only you in front of me. I'm going to count it joy. He said, give a cheer even. We have done that. There's times when we went through sickness, I'm like, praise God, it's so good. And then God would like let me lay hands on people and they would all get healed and I'm still sick. And I'm like, praise God, it's good. And then what does hap- what happened? Then God's like, oh, since you took care, I'm going to take care. Because that's, that's his principles, that's his kingdom. So come on, church, let, let's be that. Let's do that. Let's not worry about just being hot and, and our comforts. Let's say I'm going to move out. You know, my comforts mean nothing compared to the power and anointing I get to walk with for others. So come on. So, all right, let's pray.